Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. John Heck, good morning and welcome to the Support Automation Show. Morning. How are you, Justin? I am excellent. Where does this podcast find you? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Absolutely love the Carolinas. Have not spent time in Charlotte yet, but it's on my list. So this is going to be a special episode of the Support Automation Show. John and I work together at Capacity, and I've known John for a couple years now. He has worked with us on a lot of the go-to-market strategies with our mortgage offerings and support automation. He has also introduced us to some of our bigger customers and clients and is one of our thought leaders and quite frankly, a preeminent thought leader overall in the mortgage tech space. So I wanted to have John on for this special episode to really talk about a lot of the trends and forward-looking aspects of support automation in the housing and mortgage space as we lead up to the big conference season in the mortgage space going into September and October. So with that, John, why don't you give us a little introduction on yourself and kind of how you got to where you are today? Um, short vision is um, over 30 years in the mortgage space. Uh, started off in sales, transitioned into operations, transitioned operations into Six Sigma. And then that was a perfect lead into automating operations, uh, probably 15 years ago, uh, maybe, maybe less. Transitioned into more of a data-centric focus, records management, what's done with the data that you're creating, you know, kind of the dark data that all these companies have access to but don't use properly. Uh, had a stint at IBM, became very in tune with artificial intelligence. At that time, Watson was being introduced into the financial services industry. Uh, always looked at myself as an, an entrepreneur, you know, kind of a, a strategic visionary within a, 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 an organization. Uh, I was exposed to uh, artificial intelligence and really became enamored with how it was, how data as a product can revolutionize financial services in general and more specifically mortgage. And uh, I got connected through uh, one of uh, Capacity's board members to David uh, Karandish, the CEO of Capacity a couple years ago. And I've been working as a senior advisor for Capacity ever since. I think the, the idea of a, you know, an automated support platform or a, another way of looking at it, my vernacular would be a federated data mesh kind of an enterprise data solution, I think is the answer. And I uh, love working with the culture of capacity. Uh, love working with the engineers of capacity because they don't have any preemptive um, concepts about how to automate, how things have been automated in the mortgage space. They look at outcomes that, okay, this issue is X, let's solve it with Y. And that has been... Um, very intriguing for me and love working with the engineers at Capacity. Um, and I'm not patronizing anybody by saying that. It's really a great culture. It is. And those engineers are extremely talented. It's one of my favorite parts about the culture here as well. So, John, 
every one of these interviews after introductions, I ask the same question. I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone else is, and that is, when you hear the phrase support automation, what does that mean to you? Uh, to me, uh, succinctly, it's an enterprise data solution. Yeah. I mean, there's many machinations of that, but it's the ability to effectively use the data that I own as a customer in uh, correlation with all the other technology initiatives that I have to operate within in the mortgage space, um, most of which are closed technology environments, which present you know significant limitations. Exactly. And related to a closed environment, at least conceptually, the, the computer science of this, I'm, I'm not accurately quoting here, but I, I think it's a good jumping off point for something we were talking about before we started recording. There's a lot of data in both in and outside of an organization that can be used for decisioning, that can be used for business processes, that data comes in a lot of times in real time. Sometimes it comes in as batches. Sometimes it's the internal systems creating more data. Sometimes it's externalities bringing it in. Some of that data is sort of well understood. There is a often queried database of that data being sent to applications that are running processes all day. And some of it goes unnoticed, goes unused, or it, there's, there's computational results of the data that are therefore data themselves, right? This concept of dark data and how it's not always sort of recognized and used. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And you said specifically that it's something that, that you find interesting and see value. And I would love it if you could double click on, on that for me in terms of what is the type of dark data that you think goes most often underused in the mortgage space? And maybe what are some benefits of going down this path of exploration? Uh, again, conceptually, I think that um, there's too many intermediaries between where the origin of the data is and actually implementing the data into the manufacturing process. <clears throat> and most of the loan origination systems, if we're talking about the, the front end of the business, are uh, binary in nature. They're, they're waiting for things to happen so that the next event can happen. And the beauty of artificial intelligence is uh, it's, it replaces some degree of tacit knowledge. So uh, I remember at one point, uh, probably four or five years ago now, uh, interviewing a CEO of, a, of, an, of then a non-QM company. Uh, and he was telling me that you cannot automate non-QM underwriting because of the complexity of it. And, and my response to him was, I could create a hundred files and give those files to his senior underwriters. And there'd probably be a standard deviation of over 20% of reaction to those files, meaning that some would approve it, some would turn it down, some would condition it. And that therein lies the challenge for the mortgage industry. The, the wider the standard deviation of decision-making, the more risk for the performance of that asset to the ultimate owner down, down the line. Uh, Artificial intelligence is a, can be event-driven. When the data is there, it's, it's almost a series of simultaneous APIs 
where, and I use the term bingo logic or bingo decisioning. It's, it's almost like the, the least complicated a mortgage application is, let's say it's two borrowers, salaried employees. There's two bingo cards. When the boxes on those bingo cards are filled, a decision can be rendered. Artificial intelligence, and, and by the way, the, the converse of that would be you've got a, two borrowers that are uh, potentially not in married, they're partners, and they're self-employed, and they have multiple investment scenarios. So it's a very complicated file to underwrite. But the difference is there'd just be more bingo cards, more boxes to fill. Artificial intelligence would know, based upon our knowledge base, what guidelines and rules that investor needs to look at those data points. And if the data meets guidelines, it's there, it's good, move on to the next. If it's inferior or if it's missing, it can actually send a message to somebody to get something done to fix that particular data. So it's not a linear labor-driven process. It's an intuitive, tacit AI-driven process where the system of intelligence knows what data has to appear in that particular box, let's call it, for that particular loan for that particular investor. And there's a tremendously um, inordinate amount of reliance on seasoned people to make those decisions. And those senior people, 20, 25, 30 years of experience underwriting loans, is a very costly proposition. It's very, very cost prohibitive. So, you know, I always ask people this question. We have the most sophisticated technology in the history of this world. And most recent statistics from the MBA last quarter, the cost to produce a loan is the highest in the history of mortgage banking. How do those two things go together? They don't. It's, it's an oxymoron. We're not effectively using enterprise technology and allowing data and a, to, uh, to drive the events of manufacturing alone. The other component of, of this is there's way too much information and emphasis in automation and configuration on the actual manufacturing process and not nearly enough on the outcome of the manufacturing process. So in other words, when the outcome has been achieved, that loan is ready to be decisioned. That's where AI and an automated support platform comes into fruition very, very quickly. It's ready to go. And it's, it's not an assembly line where really easy loans are being slowed down because of the complicated loans that are in front of them on the assembly line. All of these things should be simultaneous. And uh, they, should parallel. Be, yeah. they should be running simultaneously in parallel. And, and there should be what I call exception processing. If there's something that somebody needs to interpret, then an individual can. And because of machine learning, now that system, the next time that that nuance is presented, the machine learning has already reconfigured itself to know that that's no longer an exception. So again, the focus is um, having the data drive the process. And it's totally focused on the outcome versus the uh, the manufacturing process. Right. And in maybe a somewhat more 
layman's um, approach and thought process here. If I'm a loan officer and the originator I'm working at has these types of systems in place, they are implementing the technology and processes behind what you just said. What is it that I, as a loan officer, am going to experience differently versus going to another originator that is still doing things more manually, more in series, having these big, complicated loans clog up simpler ones behind it? What's the what's the material difference I would see? Well, I think we're in an age of uh, what I call self-service. I think loan officers should provide two realtors and two consumers to ultimate borrowers some type of a module where the consumer can relinquish their data in a secure environment and, you know, have it be able to basically frame up uh, an overview of the transition that the borrower is looking for and give them, you know, a realistic response. Like, a, you know, we've used the analogy many times with the IRS and TurboTax. You know, the IRS is extremely complicated when it comes to, Whatever you put on a particular line item, it's very uh, Boolean in that it, it creates other questions. There's no reason that mortgage companies can't operate in that fashion. So what I see happening over time is that self-service, people would prefer to be able to interact with technology on their own on, on, to a particular point. And now when they want to talk with somebody that uh, can provide some expert counseling, they've already got a preliminary idea of what they're looking for, potentially what the pricing may look like, what the variance or the range of the pricing might look, may look, might look like. And they're in control of the data that they release to that particular module because the consumer owns the data. Uh, having somebody that is... Uh, you know, web 3.0 savvy and internet savvy to rely on somebody to do everything for me. I think that's that innovation that trains left the station. I think people want to do a lot for themselves and they want to pull somebody in when they want to pull somebody, in, but they don't necessarily want somebody to drive the process. I think that's where the, the sales innovation is going to happen over time because the cost of sales right now is extremely prohibitive. It's the most exp expensive part of, of the $10,000 it costs to produce the loan right now. There's got to be a better, more efficient way to do that. And I think that's where automated support platforms come in. There is a growing feeling that one of these days, I'm going to run a study to quantify this, but this is a hypothesis of mine. It's not necessarily a hot take, but I think I am right on this. The expectation of experience that we have in our digital lives that companies like Apple, Netflix, uh, some of these other just beautiful Amazon to, to a certain degree, that create these really beautiful, seamless, ultra low friction, exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it experiences. The more we live our lives with an iPhone in our pocket and experiencing that kind of UX and setting those expectations, the more we expect that elsewhere in our lives. So it's the software we use at work. It's the going to the DMV and getting your license renewed. It's going through refinancing or getting a new mortgage, right? And 
it is incumbent on anybody who is making an experience in 2022 to make it as seamless and as fast and as convenient as possible. Because in a world of infinite choice that we live in right now, you're just not going to win unless you have that dialed for your user and for your consumer. One of the other trends that I see in the mortgage space, and you and I actually discussed, well, I didn't discuss it. I moderated a panel that you were on a month or so ago uh, with the NBA talking about this um, with, with, with John Lebanick from, from Canopy. Lenders looking for new product lines to offer. So um, whether that be getting into non-QM or whatever, whatever it is, this is a great way for these lenders to diversify through the tumult that we're kind of all going through in the housing market. When you look at the most underserved, ripest opportunity for originators or servicers or just people, in, let's just say a mortgage business, the most underserved opportunity for diversification. What is it in your mind? Well, I think over the years, you know, Refi Mania has made uh, the sales process to become uh, it's it's. It's a, it's a very easy proposition to basically enter information and to get a response back from one of the agencies, one of the you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I think one of the preemptive uh, issues in non-QM is that there is not one standardized open environment that a lender can operate in with multiple non-QM investors. So in other words, with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, it's pretty similar with... Uh, day one certainty and uh, the loan quality platform that Freddie Mac has, they've really tried to standardize the way a loan is, is actually originated. In reference to non-QM, there's a lot of different machinations that lenders have to go through. And so many of them don't. They just don't want to offer the products because it's a different change in venue. And in many times, um, it it creates a different manufacturing process. It, in some cases, there may be even multiple teams that, that operate with multiple investors. So I think an automated support platform, the beauty of it is it can actually standardize the, the entire QM non-GSE business. There's a lot of investors coming back now that are offer, offering QM mortgages to compete with the agencies, but they're not offering it necessarily on the agency delivery platforms, as well as the non-QM products. So I think an automated support platform provides that. And, and you know, I, I want to give deference to the back end of this system. You know, as purchase money decreases significantly, as refinances de decrease because rates are going up, uh, HELOC mortgages are going to, or they are becoming more prevalent. Uh, automated support platforms are a great, a great way to offer those products. And then if you jump to the servicing end of it, which nobody seems to be focused on right now. Um, you know, we all assume that a servicer gets paid usually about 25 basis points for the, the uh, ability to service our loans. And they can actually make money at that as long as all of us pay the mortgage. Right. As soon as we stop paying the mortgage and people start getting on the phone when you're talking about five or six different phone calls with somebody that's 30 or 60 or 90 days late, you're talking about five or $600 worth of additional fees 
that are not covered in the normal servicing process. So as this economy becomes more challenging for U.S. homeowners, the the bubble is going to switch from refi mania to default management. And there's no better way to keep costs low for a servicer than to provide a self-service yes, solution. 100%. In other words, I can go on, I can talk to a bot, I, the bot can answer my questions, I can actually upload data to the bot, the, the environment can look at that data, the, the automated support platform, uh, like a capacity, we can use intelligent document processing to extract data, to present that data to somebody that makes a credit decision. There's a tremendous opportunity in the servicing default management space for automated support platforms because the traditional servicing platforms do not have the capability to operate outside of somebody paying their mortgage. Uh, that their general ledger technology platforms and both of the you know the two leading market share providers um, are mainframe driven environments. <laughs> They've been around for decades with GUI screens on top. So you know that there's a tremendous opportunity to be able to lean up the origination process for those that want to survive, because it'll be a survivor of the fittest for sure, based upon profitability. HELOC focus, I think, is a is a really good place to put some emphasis. And then the default, if you are in the business of servicing your own assets or owning your assets, somebody servicing for you, uh, having a default management solution now knowing that the market may go south in the next seven to 11 or 12 months, uh, having one in place, I think would be really critical for uh, maintaining profitability. That's exactly right. And one of the things that we're doing here at Capacity that I obviously am coming from a place of a bit of bias here, wearing my Capacity shirt and, and, and talking to you, but one of the things that we have worked very hard to do, and this is an aspect of our business that I believe puts us in a good position as a market leader, is we have built a really good system of intelligence and system of orchestration, for lack of a better word, on top of a lot of the existing tech inside a mortgage operation, whether it's on the origination or service side, and can help facilitate a lot of the data going back and forth, greasing the wheels on decisioning, offering self-support, all the stuff that you've touched on in the last few minutes. We're in a really good position to help make that a reality. And whether you're at Digital Mortgage, MBA Annual, you're at a TMC or Lenders One conference, we're going to be there this year. Stop by, talk to your account executive, give us a call. And do whatever you have to do to to chat with us about this because we really do have something that can help. And these conversations are ones that need to be had because I'm sure the realization of these needs are going on at every lender right now. You know, to your point about there's a potential default management boom coming. I think everyone would agree on that. Um, you, you know, you can only have inflation go so high and 
interest rates go so high and, and housing prices being what they are, like there, there's going to be some issues here and you need to be prepared for the, for the future. Well, and to supplement that, um, I think the, the, real, the real critical issue in the mortgage space that I've seen, you know, three plus decades is that, and I'm, I'm stereotyping and I apologize in advance for doing this, but the, in my opinion, the majority of people, they remain tactically focused and they don't get strategic. And now when, you know, business is more difficult to operate is the time to invest in strategic visionary innovation. Because it, number one, when the market declines, the only way you're going to grow your business is redistribution from your competitors. And the only way to do that is to be able to operate in a more efficient, more profitable, more customer-centric way. And you cannot do that uh, without significant automation. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, if you look at the cost to produce a loan, again, we're talking about, you know, anywhere from 9500 to over $10,000 a loan. That rolls down to the closing table. And those costs eliminate a lot of potential borrowers and buyers of homes. And that's why so many people are renting right now. They just can't afford to buy a house. So we have to lower the costs. And the only way to lower the cost is through some type of an enterprise data-driven solution where, you know, mortgage companies have to come to realize that their product is data. It's not the mortgage process. Data is their product. And the output of that data is an asset that they can sell. That is the... That's tantamount, I think, to the innovation focus that lenders need to make. And, you know, the only way for mid-tier and smaller lenders to compete is to offer a similar scenario that the large lenders have. And that's the ability, you know, they've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on automation. You know, the mid-tier and smaller have to kind of lease it and get the same output results. That's the way to to stay competitive. You know, I I think companies like, um, you know, Rocket Mortgage, they're, they're a marketing company that happens to do mortgages. I mean, they, they spend a lot of money marketing their, their, uh, their solution for sure. Exactly. They do. And while I'm always a fan of good marketing, there is a uh, certain beauty to actual value and stuff that works, right? Which is what the industry is going to need and, and, you know, what you and I both believe capacity provides. I want to close our conversation with a bit of a forward-looking segment here. And I want, I'm really curious your thoughts on the sort of intermediate, and maybe, you know, let's play, let's think next few years and maybe next 10 plus, um, where the tech and mortgage worlds are going to continue to evolve and what the future of mortgage tech looks like. I know you are a very um, active uh, learner and advocate of some of what Web3 is in, in the blockchain and some of the DeFi stuff that's that's happening. I'd love to get your take on how you see that adding value to the mortgage space and then maybe a prediction for the future looking out a little further ahead. Yeah, that's pretty easy, actually. I, I think that, 
the traditional mortgage industry focuses on automating the front end of the business. And I think we're at a point now, you know, in the 1980s, uh, technology was a massive uh, change and innovator for the mortgage industry. And it, you know, it came in dribs and drabs because, you know, personal computers changed a lot of the ways that people did business, you know, desktop computers. I think now, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies in general, people look at them, especially with all the, the recent media about the, the decline of these crypto platforms and, you know, the concern about fraud and, you know, some of the other things that are happening. I think capital markets in general, structured finance is going to be the change agent that actually revolutionizes the front end of this business because more and more institutional investors are getting into the, the non GSC QM space and the non QM space. And they're looking at it from a profitability standpoint. And when you tokenize a, an asset and you trade it and you, you have the ability to put it in a repository in the back end, you're eliminating all kinds of costs, fraud, speed, you're reducing speed. You have a, a better digital ledger of what's happened. You have a complete historical event of that asset. You can look at performance analytics down the road. So the structured finance part of this industry is going to be the innovation that affects rapid change over the next couple of years. And it'll never look back. If you don't transition into tokenization of assets and trading assets on digital platforms, you're just not going to survive because the economics won't, they won't work. Now what's been lacking in cryptocurrency, which is desperately needed in the mortgage space in the, in the structured finance space is regulatory governance. You know, the cryptocurrency, they talk about it being self-governed, uh, never going to work in financial services when you're talking about structured finance. It, there has to be governance and regulatory compliance issues that manage how things are transacted. And as those two meet technology and the regulatory issues, then you'll see massive innovation happening and you'll see cost reductions in how loans are being delivered. And you know, the beauty of, um, of the non-agency loans is you're going to see things like insurance wrappers that, basically cover anybody's losses if loans go through a particular manufacturing process. So the capital markets over the next 18 to 24 months are going to really create a significant change. And over the next, you know, eight to nine years thereafter, business will never be the way it's being done today. It'll change drastic, drastically. Love it. John, it is always a treat and an educational journey for me talking to you about this stuff. And I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to join us on this special episode of the Support Automation Show. I'm going to end this conversation the same way I end them all, which is a few quick fire questions for you. So first thing that comes to your mind, what's the book that you most often recommend to people? The Big Switch uh, from, you know, Edison to Google, I think it was Nicholas Carr wrote it. Uh, it's an older book, but I love the following the, the evolution of change and how people were, were uh, risk adverse and those that weren't affected massive innovation. I love that book. It's one of my favorite books. It's a good one. It hasn't been recommended on this show yet before. So I always appreciate it when I get a new one. Second one, 
what is your best tip, practice, trick, piece of software, whatever it is that you use to manage your productivity throughout the day? Well, I'm, I'm going to change the question a little bit and go for more, it. And I'm going to, I'm going to relegate it more toward the industry. If I'm in the mortgage industry, whether I'm a servicer or a HELOC provider or a lender, I'm going to look at technology and f- figure out how it can become my infrastructure, my enterprise, where I own the data, it's in my data environment, and this enterprise technology that I'm using uh, allows me to communicate with anything else that's out there, and whatever it's costing me, I'm getting a direct proportionate gain in ROI. In other words, if I'm spending a dollar on technology, I'm getting $3 worth of ROI output. That that has to be tantamount to any decision that a company makes when it comes to a technology provider. It has to bring value, measurable value. Love it. Well, John, we're at time. I know you've got to run to another appointment, but thank you for coming on here and giving us your insights into the mortgage tech space and the future of the industry. As I said at the top, we're going to be at all the big shows this fall, everything from MBA annual to digital mortgage to TMC lenders one will be at all these places and someone from our team will be there. And I am really excited for the prospects of our team meeting some, some great people at those shows. John, thank you so much for your time. and You have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. Thank you. The support automation show is brought to you by capacity. Visit Capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find this show by searching for support automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.